0: Heaven came and kissed the
1: earth. Prophets long ago foretold his birth He became a living word to show the human heart it's worth well whether I'm in one or whether I'm in hell.
2: Well, good morning, and welcome to Cross Timber on this last Sunday in July, which just means we're at least a month or more closer to cooler weather. But um, while we wait on that cooler weather, if you um, find time in your prayer time, do pray for for rain. There are so many people in our in our community, in our state, across a large part of our country that are in desperate need of of rain. And so, uh, if you do remember that, that would be important, it's a great day to be here. It's wonderful to start off with a proclamation of knowing that God will and is willing, amen. And we are so thankful that we can gather together in the name of Jesus to lift up the name of Jesus, trusting that Jesus is the only one that saves and the one who is the answer to all of our problems and is our help in our time of need. So if you are visiting here this morning, it is great to see you. Um, I know we have some, some grandchildren here, and it was good to see those. We have some other folks that, are, that have been with us a few times. But if, whether it's your first time visiting or your however many times, it is so good to see you. And I just want to let you know that we hope that you experience the presence of the Lord and you feel um, the joyful um, presence of fellowship as you worship together with other brothers and sisters um, in the name of Jesus. There's a little card in the bulletin called the Connect Card. If you want to ask questions or find out information, share prayer requests. Um, you can jot those down, and then in a few minutes when we pass the offering plate, if you just drop those in there, um, we can, um, we'll get those to the right people. Also, if it's during the week and you need to share a prayer request, um, there's an email listed there. Leah, um, one of our members, takes care of our, our prayer chain and does a fantastic job of sending out those emails almost um, as soon as you get them to her. And so her email is listed right there. And if you need us to be praying about something, you want to get the word out, if you send it to Leah, she'll pass it on. Um, I want to just highlight three things before we read from 1 Peter. So if you want to start finding 1 Peter while we're um, going over these things, we'll be reading from chapter 1. The first thing is that we are still collecting school supplies for um, the Little Red Schoolhouse in partnership with Harvest House. Samara and I were at Walmart um, one day this week, and the policemen and the firemen were there representing Harvest House, and we were encouraging folks to make make a donation. And um, I misunderstood what Samara was saying. Samara was telling me that the police officers were peacemakers, and I thought that they were standing there hoping that I would make a donation to make peace with them before they would let me um, pass by. But evidently, I must not have had any outstanding warrants because they, they let me pass freely. And as we put our school supplies in the box, they were grateful. And just remember that even the smallest thing can help because they, they collect those together and they get them out to school districts. In fact, I was having a discussion with a dad who was buying school supplies, and he was just talking about the expense and the range of things that he had to purchase. And I can just imagine if that was just one man at the aisle in Walmart, how many more um, families are, are stressing about that and how many others will, if no one provides, go to school without supplies and depend on the others. So if you have that, um, also use that as an opportunity to pray for your teachers and pray for your students as they are going to be starting back to school very soon. Second thing tonight is our Cross Timber Ice Cream Fellowship and Talent Show. Um, It just says show there because I couldn't come up with a better word to put there, Um, but it's going to be an opportunity to, to hear... People display the gifts that God has given them, so I'm sure we'll we'll laugh, we'll clap. Most of all, we'll have a good time and we'll give glory um, to God as we share fellowship with one another. If you did sign up and you need to practice beforehand, if you want to do a sound check or you know if you need to make sure that your your flaming torches will, um, will work while you're juggling in the sanctuary, five o'clock is your time to be here, between five and six. Jeff will be here running the sound, so if you need to run over some music, you can do that. And then we'll start at six. We'll start with ice cream and and snacks, so that's your job, is if you're not performing or if you are, bring your favorite ice cream, bring a snack. We'll start, we'll fill up our plates, we'll enjoy those, and then we'll sit down and we'll enjoy um, the entertainment that is provided tonight at 6 o'clock. In conjunction with that, if you're available right after church, we need to set up some tables so we'll have something to eat at. So if you have a few minutes to do that, um, we'll set up some of the round tables and we'll be ready for that. And then lastly, July went by very quickly and starting... This Wednesday, we'll be resuming our normal Wednesday activities. That means Bible study at 11, with only one difference. For the month of August, it will be without a lunch. So we'll just meet for, for Bible study, we'll sing, and we'll also pray, but we won't start the lunch again until September. But we still want you to be a, a part of that. That's Wednesdays at 11, and then prayer meeting begins again this Wednesday at 6.30. I was thinking about all of the things that... Um, you know, we believe God has just right on the horizon for us, involving our, our ministry um, partnership with Embrace Grace and reaching out to, to those people that are that are dealing with hurts and dealing with brokenness. And, um, you know, the spiritual work that must be done in advance um, for any of that is in the place of, of prayer, not only preparing our hearts, preparing this place, but also praying for um, Doing the spiritual work of warfare that is necessary, because I I guarantee you, when you start um, moving into territory that um, has been claimed by the enemy, um, there is opposition, and it's strong opposition. Was reading. um, I have a little devotional book by E. M. Bounds, who wrote many um, volumes about prayer, and this is what he said: Nothing is well done without prayer, for the very simple reason that it leaves God out. And so if we're going to advance in ministry, if we're going to advance in spiritual growth and what God has for us, it will start in the place of prayer. If you have opportunity 6:30 Wednesdays, I'd love for you to join us here as we pray and look forward to what God is going to do. Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 1 and we'll read through the first 9 verses as we turn to God's word as we set our hearts toward worship, and hearing what he has to say to us. These are the words of Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to whom those who are elect exiles of dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Gentlemen, will you come? We receive our offering today.
0: Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the
2: opportunity to come here this morning to worship
0: among brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I just want to ask your forgiveness for not always seeing trials, as Rusty just read, in my own life and seeing them as opportunities to show my faithfulness to you, Lord. But right now we come
2: together and we bow before you and we want to ask you to use these tithes and offerings that uh, you've blessed us with to further your kingdom so that people may come to know you, and
0: those that do know
2: you may be drawn back to you. As we pray this in your name, amen.
0: This morning I'm singing a really old hymn, and uh, the words will be on the screen. You are free to stand and join. And if you ever get <clears throat> and what led me to this is that you ever get stuck in a passage of scripture and you just can't seem to move forward. I've been reading Revelation and I just can't get past chapter four. And I want to read some of the verses. And then when I sing this song you'll understand. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne, and they will worship Him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Do stand and sing with us this morning.
1: power can't be questioned. There's a grace when the heart is on the fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between where it used to be and this reckoning Thank And those walls that we put in
3: shame, they were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came
1: and he died and
3: he rose. Those walls are rubble now.
1: And those giants.
3: came,
1: and he died, and he rose, those giants are dead men. What he does, he saves us. For the cross, be the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King
3: Jesus.
1: For the cross, be the grave.
2: always exciting to get to open up God's Word together with you and I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. We'll start there in verse 11 and we'll begin there and get into the first three verses of chapter 6 this morning as we continue on looking um, at lessons we can find from the book of Hebrews centralized around the theme that Jesus is better than anything. And we had been Previously looking at this introduction this subject that we were just introduced to that Jesus is a great high priest and the end of last time we we saw this mystery man Melchizedek I'm um, introduced and we'll find out more about him when we get to chapter 7 but as the author often does in the book there are these pauses where he takes a break from teaching the theology to get very practical and to give um, words of caution words of warning words of instruction So let me just begin by asking you a question. Have you ever been asked this? When will you ever grow up? Now, you don't have to show your hands, um, because I know. um, At some point, even those of you that would consider yourselves mature from a very young age, at some point, someone asked you that. Or maybe it was just more simple. It was like a command. Grow up. Or maybe you're encouraged to stop acting like a child. You know, Show some maturity. It's usually addressed at someone who is displaying immature active actions. I'm not really sure how the, the phrases work as far as being helpful or redemptive, but they definitely call something to your attention. It's usually someone that's annoyed or frustrated by it. And the main point in all of it is that there is to some point a lack of maturity. What is being displayed is not what is being expected in the the situation, and there is a need for change to take place. There's a a need to grow, to grow up. And that's exactly where we find the readers here in this book of Hebrews. The writer is beginning to teach about something that they should be able to understand, but because of a reason that he will address, they're not capable of understanding it. And it's not because the information is too difficult or beyond them, it's because they have difficulty listening, learning, applying, and practicing. They're immature and they need to grow. And I want us to see this morning that moving forward toward maturity is the only acceptable pathway for a follower of Jesus. That the Christian life is meant to be facing forward, moving forward, progressing in our Faith growing over time to look more and more like the Lord Jesus. And to do that, we're going to look at the problem of spiritual immaturity and the symptoms that it displays. And we'll see what the writer proposes as the solution. And then we'll take a few moments to find out how that applies to you and I today. So let me read the verses. Again, we're going to start in chapter 5, verse 11, and read through verse 3 of chapter 6, and then we'll pray. About this, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Lord, we are thankful for the pleasure and the privilege of being here this morning. We thank you it's by your plan and your purpose that we are gathered together. We thank you that these verses of Scripture that we have are meant for us. They're meant for our good and for our growth. So Lord, we ask you to help us to listen with both our ears, our mind, and with our hearts. To apply your truth. To us as individuals. Thank you for that work of the Holy Spirit that does that, that makes it personal to us. And so, Lord, we ask above all that you speak to us this morning and that we would hear your voice with willing hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, moving forward toward maturity is the only acceptable pathway for a follower of Jesus. There is no reasonable path that says you can regress or you can stand still, the only path is to move forward. Now, as I said earlier, the author has just launched into this new subject of Jesus the Great High Priest, and he's beginning to talk about Melchizedek. And then just almost without any warning, he interrupts the discussion. It's almost like a news bulletin or weather warning that comes on right in the middle of your favorite program or or broadcast. You know, we temporarily interrupt this broadcast to bring you important news. And it's a call for us to pay attention and to listen. And so, very purposeful and with, with power, this author breaks from a subject to talk about something that is necessary and a problem that is unignorable. Now what exactly was the problem? It was that problem of spiritual immaturity had a group of believers that had been together. They'd worship together. They had sat under preaching and teaching together. They'd prayed together. They'd serve together. And what would be expected was progress toward maturity, but the reality was actually the opposite. That even though time had passed, instead of progressing, they were regressing. And with all the teaching they had available, all the resources, that were before them, they should have been becoming mature believers. Now this is 1st century AD. Think about 2023, all of the teaching and the resources that we have available and there's literally no excuse for us to be lacking information about growing in our faith because it's so readily available. So with all this information, with all of the things laid before them, instead of being maturing in their faith, they were still spiritual infants or or babies that were desperately in need of transformation and growth. And so we're going to look at the problem, we're going to look at the challenge from the author, and then some application. But first, we need to look at the symptoms of spiritual immaturity. What does it look like? I have recently began this, journey to help to see if I can increase mobility and relieve some pain in my my left shoulder. And so one of the, the symptoms of that is, you know, I really can't raise my arm much above that. I can't really lift anything much above my head, and I certainly can't reach my hand behind my back and scratch very much higher than that right now. And I found myself last night doing an exercise with a I just have to tell you, I have a virtual um, physical therapist that I signed up free for through my insurance, and I listened for this really polite sounding ding that says I did it correctly, and I have my arm behind my back trying to raise it to the level of getting to the ding, and it wouldn't ding, and I couldn't, I can't move it higher. And so in desperation, because I wanted to move forward, I didn't want to quit, I, I turned my hand upside down and managed to kind of spider crawl up high enough to get it to ding about three or four times, but that ran out. And so then I was like, okay, what do I do? I stick my right hand behind there, and I'm giving my left hand a little push. And I finally get it high enough that I get ding, ding, ding. I had to do it 12 times. I got to number 12, and I honestly thought that I was going to just almost pass out because it was excruciatingly painful. But I began to learn that the symptoms of my shoulder were it doesn't move the way it's supposed to. And this physical therapy or this practice is supposed to help me increase that mobility. And that will become more evident in a minute when we talk about training in righteousness. But the, the author points out, like an elephant in the room, the big problem that's going on. They're immature. They're not growing in their faith. And even worse, they're not even maintaining a constant level. They're slipping backwards. And so he tells them what the problem is, and then he provides justification. He says, you know, I would love to go ahead and talk to you more about this man, Mechizedek, but you're just simply not ready. You should be, but you're you're not. It's like a teacher in frustration that says, you know, I'm just going to have to put up today's lesson because you're not getting today because you didn't listen yesterday. And in verse 11, he points to it. And this we have have much to say about this. We have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Not that the topic was difficult, but since you have become dull of hearing, dull of hearing. Now, evidently, that hadn't always been the case, because he says you've become dull of hearing. So there apparently was a time that their hearing was sharp, that they were tuned in to the message of God, the Word of the Lord, the 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 speaking to by the holy spirit and so it shouldn't have been the case but the reality is now it is the case and this word dullness can also mean slow to learn or to be sluggish and lazy about in an, an attitude so it's it's a problem that could be likened to apathy apathy toward God's Word, there's just a lack of interest in these people to to listen to preaching, to sit under teaching, to to open their Bible up and study for themselves, and because of this, the readers become spiritually hard of hearing. They're simply not ready to learn about Melchizedek because they were immature. They hadn't grown in their faith. And it was self-inflicted. They'd done it to themselves. True in life with most things, especially those things that are mechanical, that neglect leads to decline. You don't change your oil, there's a consequence. You don't um, change your air filter in your AC, there's a consequence. You don't take care of your physical body, there are consequences. Things just don't happen to get better on their own. And if we ignore things, they continue to decline. And so because these hearers had neglected their personal responsibility to grow in faith, they were sliding backwards, not moving forward. And it wasn't the the teacher's fault. It wasn't the curriculum that they had available. No, each person had an individual responsibility, and what you could see was that the results were evident. Now I learned this, and, and I learned it at many levels. Actually, I was probably spoken to it by, at many levels before it finally sunk in, whether it was my, my mom and dad, a scoutmaster, a coach, band director, professor, teacher, employer, and you probably heard it too. You're responsible for your own actions. You ever heard that? You know, it's not somebody else's fault. It's your own fault. You're responsible for your own actions. And many times when it comes to this topic of advancing spiritually, we try to make excuses. We we blame other people. We blame circumstances and situations or we just ignore the reality. And while it's true that we should be responsible, we often don't take the responsibility seriously. Now for certain, we do need teachers and we, we need pastors and we need resources. Parents are instrumental in sharing faith with their children, but... When it comes down to it, each individual has to take ownership for their own spiritual life. It's a personal relationship. It's not a family relationship. And so we each have to to take that to heart. Because we don't just reach a certain level. We don't just get to grade 7 of Christianity and stay at grade 7 the rest of our day. No, if we ignore it, it doesn't stay at grade 7. Pretty soon you're at grade 6, grade 5, grade 4. And then before long you find yourself right back at the beginning in the kindergarten class of Christianity. And if you don't move ahead, you'll lose ground. And so this dullness of hearing, this spiritual apathy, led to regression in faith. And because of that, you read the second part, you read verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So not only were they dull appearing, they weren't able to teach. Now, we need to be clear here. This is not specifically talking about the office of teacher. Some are called to be apostles, others teachers. But it's merely the ability to pass on what you have learned. And these people had been part of a church long enough that they were expected to be able to pass along what they had known, they'd come to know. But age does not equal experience. (laughs) Time does not always equal experience. And even though they had been in the location, they had been attending church, they weren't even able to pass along these very basic truths of the faith. Now that word ought is a much stronger word than you would think. You know, sometimes you think, we, well, we ought to go to that restaurant sometime, which is almost like a, a hopeful desire. Like maybe somebody, we should try that. But the word ought here is very strong. It implies an obligation. Should would be even, even maybe perhaps a better word. You should be teachers. You should be able to practically deliver the truth to communicate what you believe in plain, simple language, to answer basic questions. Who is Jesus? Why do people need Jesus? What did Jesus do for me? And how can someone follow Jesus? So they were unable to do the very basic communication of sitting face-to-face with someone in a coffee shop, a living room, at a lunch table, in the break room, and talk about Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about being at this advanced level where you could teach a, a seminary class or, or stand in front of a large group, but I'm just speaking about And the author here is telling us that you know, we should be able to start with the basics to, and to point others toward the truth about who Jesus is. But instead, they find themselves to, in need to be taught again. Oh, I hated it in school. When you say, you know, and the teacher, you'd finish something and the teacher would say, well, I'm going to have to reteach the same lesson tomorrow because y'all didn't pay attention today. What do you mean I didn't pay attention? I was doing my homework for the next class. What do you mean I wasn't paying attention? And so you would sit and you would listen to the same lesson that you heard the day before. You know, kind of a mix between punishment and the fact that we didn't get it. But here, the author is saying, you know, I'm going to have to go back and start from the beginning because what you should have caught the first time or the second time, you haven't. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. They had to relearn the basic principles. That word, basic principles, is the idea of building blocks that, that shape something. So you could think about them as the, the ABCs, the, the foundational Principles, and here he's talking about the foundational teachings of faith—things that would be essential. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is Creator. God is love. God is holy. We are sinners from birth. Jesus is our perfect Savior. Scripture is God's word. Salvation is available to any who call in the name of Jesus. All of those things that, as Matthew Henry says, are plain to be understood, and necessary to be learned. But because the readers are apathetic toward growing in their faith, then that led to immaturity, and that led to a diet that was insufficient for sustaining a growing Christian. Now, if you go to the CDC website and read about nutrition... It starts with this good nutrition is essential in keeping current and future generations of Americans healthy across their lifespan. And then he makes this statement. Poor nutrition is making our nation sick. Now I think you could change a few words and you could say that, you know, the sickness that comes in our country is the lack of, you know, spiritual teaching that is taking place, the lack of of biblical qualities that are being invested in in children that are transforming science, but the idea here is that diet matters. What you eat or what you spend time at is important. And these should-be-mature Christians were immature and they were, simply put, bottle-fed baby believers. If you like old 80s Christian music, and and you want a song that's kind of hokey, but that'll really speak to your heart, um, I encourage you to go home and Google Amy Grant's um, Fat Little Baby song. Um, It is a very, um, it's it's funny, and the tune is funny, but it speaks very much to this idea that in the world we live in today, there are way too many bottle-fed baby believers. How does he say it? You need milk, not solid food. Now, the milk is the ABCs, the very basics. Think about Sunday school when you're you know, first and second grade. You know, you're learning God loves you. God created the world. God sent Jesus. And you need milk, but you should be eating solid food. You should have moved forward to the deeper truths of the faith. He should have been able to tell them about the priesthood of Jesus and this man, Melchizedek, but they weren't ready. Now, both milk and solid food are important they're both from God, but they both have a purpose. Milk is for babies, right? I mean, I, I don't think a grown man, you know, work 40 hours a week plus, you know, overtime, and then do yard work, um, you know, a, a mother at home do, you know, laundry and all the chores, take care of the kids, and you know, you just serve up a bottle of milk. Here's our milk. We're having eight ounces of milk tonight. No. We want what? Solid food. So as we mature, you know, we, we move from bottle food to that gross stuff that comes in a jar that babies seem to love, on toward table food. And as we mature, the food we eat changes because it fits our need. So two things are taking place at the same time. There should be a natural progression toward maturity, and there should be a natural advancement in our spiritual diet. The babies, spiritual babies, new Christians, now, as Peter would point out, need the pure spiritual milk of the Word. We start there, but we don't stay there. We're not meant to stay on that milk forever. As we grow in faith, we move on towards solid food. And in that movement, verse 13 says, we're, we're trained by practice. That's where that kind of awkward physical therapy story I told you earlier fits in. We're trained about it. by practice. Things aren't easy at first, but we do them over and over again. As we learn the truth, as we learn to follow and learn to obey, then we practice and live out our faith. It's not always perfect. In fact, it's never going to be perfect. It's never intended to be perfect. But through our small successes and our large failures, through God's forgiveness and His redemption, through His goodness and His mercy, we make progress. We advance in our faith. But we can't do that if we stay in the baby stage. As one person said, dull and disinterested in heart, (laughs) with minds that are preoccupied and uninformed. And so the resulting symptom that we come to next is in verses 13 and 14, a lack of discernment. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. The word can also mean not acquainted with. So they're unfamiliar with this word of righteousness. What in the world does that mean? Well, there's two possible meanings. One is the righteousness in Christ by faith that leads to salvation. You know, we're not righteous. We need righteousness. Jesus has righteousness. He freely gives it. We get it by faith in Him. But that righteousness always leads to right living. That righteousness in Christ transforms our life and because of that we're able to live righteous lives another way of say that is being our being always affects our doing and so you have this picture here of a child that's old enough to be weaned from their mother but isn't awkward um, they're still dependent on their mother for nourishment and the result is They're growing older in age, but they're never maturing. And they're not able to tell the difference between good and evil. They lack discernment. Verse 14, solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So because they haven't moved on to solid food, they're not able to... Differentiate between good and evil. They're not able to flee immorality and acts that are against God's plan and to cling to what is good because they haven't been trained. They should always, they should have this foundation of God's Word as their standard, the Holy Spirit as their guide, but they're just a They're content with with their condition. They're willing to be moved about and pushed about by others. They're malnourished and they're unskilled and they're unable to tell even right from wrong. Now in contrast to that, a spiritually mature person has a determination to grow. That there is this desire to feed on the solid food of God's Word. That they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've seen that His Word is true and they just can't seem to get enough of it. And they begin to practice their faith, again, imperfectly, trusting and obeying, following, listening. And as they do that, they become more and more mature and those acti- the activity increases their appetite. It's not too unlike, you know, when you work or you work out, you build up a hunger. So when we exercise our spiritual muscles, we gain a hunger or an appetite for more of God, His truth, and His Word. And so this calling out of immaturity leads us into the first part of chapter 6, which we'll dip into today and use again next week. How do you fight against spiritual immaturity? How do we prevent ourselves from becoming dull of hearing? Now, the author doesn't pull any punches. You might expect him to say, well, you know, here we go. You're going to have to go back to the very basic class again. You're going to have to start again and start from the beginning and build yourself up. But no, instead of doing that, he issues a challenge. He tells him it's time to put the past behind him. You've already listened to that. And it's time to move forward, to leave your childish faith and to grow up. Let me just say there, you know, with the word childish faith, I'm talking about, you know, immaturity. Um, it's very true that Scripture teaches we should be childlike in our faith, which means that we should be trusting and believing like a child would. But the Bible very clear that when we approach adulthood, it's time to put away childish things and to seek for God. And in this, he tells them to grow up and to move on to maturity. It's in verse 1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So the idea here is of making forward progress. He begins by saying there's something we should leave behind and then there's something we should move on towards. And he says leave behind the elementary doctrine of Christ. Now, if you just immediately read that phrase, leave behind, you're thinking, okay, when I leave behind something, I just close the door and forget about it. But that's not at all what the Word here is intending for us. It doesn't mean to forget something and move on. It means to hold on to that and to build upon it. So you're taking those foundational blocks, the ABCs, and you're building on them. You're moving from the basic to the more advanced, And you're using those basic truths to build a foundation of growth in Christ. So he says you leave those behind, which means you grab on to that, build the foundation, and then you move forward to maturity. That's interesting here. The idea, too, is it's not our activity. We participate with God in the work, but it really is, is a passive voice verb, which means... More like to let us be carried on toward maturity. Maybe I can explain it this way. It's going to be really hot today. Doesn't a nice float in a cool river sound good? It's been a long time, but we used to go to the Como River. And um, it's pretty simple. You know, you drive there, you park, you rent a tube, you jump in the river, you hold on, and then you let the current do the rest. In fact, maybe we should just go ahead and pray right now. Um We can um, just cancel everything, load up in some vehicles and head south and and find some cold water and float and cool off for a little bit. Because it's fun, it's refreshing, it's simple. Going on to maturity in the idea of this is maybe not that simple, but the principles do apply. It's a lot like floating in the river. We choose to yield ourselves to God. We jump into the river of His perfect plan, of His truth. We hold on to the basics that we learn. We put ourselves in His hands. Let Him carry us along. And as we listen, as we learn, as we fail, as we repent, as we obey, as we grow, He brings maturity as He sees fit. You have to remember, like he said earlier, it's not if we don't progress, we're going to regress. There's no stagnation. So we jump into the river of his plan, his delight, his will, and we begin moving forward. And if we're not moving forward, we're losing ground. And he says, what does that look like? You have to build on the basics. Foundation is always necessary. You never get over it. You can't ignore it. You build on top of it was introduced to the letter people in kindergarten. Letter A, letter B, letter C. There were these little inflatable guys that represented every letter of the alphabet. Little did I know at that time that those letters would form words. Maybe I did know. I don't know. I probably wasn't that informed as a child. I just liked to play. But then those words become what? Sentences. Noun, verb. And then you start adding adjectives and adverbs and clauses and phrases. And then all of a sudden, you turn sentences into paragraphs. Paragraphs become chapters. And if you write enough chapters, they can become a novel. But that novel, whether it's 900 pages or whether it's three paragraphs written by a third grader, are still composed of the very same components. Letters, words, sentences. It's the same thing with art and the author gives us these ABCs of the faith six items that form three different pairs and you find that they're both common elements in Jewish faith and in Christianity a lot of authors and scholars see this as a, as a early evidence of early christian teaching kind of six basics that they would cover things that originated in the Old Testament that were shadows of what was going to come that was so much better because of Jesus and that gain their full and clear meaning in Christ. And so in these verses you see repentance and faith, turning from works that lead to death or sin, as well as meaningless human activity, and then turning toward God by faith in Christ. It's the entrance stage. It's where we get into the faith. And then he moves on to washings and laying on of hands. You're Bible might have baptisms. The word can mean both, but it has its origins in the Old Testament ritual washings, those washings of of cleansing. When we were in Israel, we had opportunity to to visit some of those locations and they'd have these these Jewish um, baptismal fonts where people would go in not to be baptized for salvation, but to to be baptized to symbolize their cleansing from their sins. And then John and Jesus John the Baptist came along with Jesus and they began preaching this baptism of repentance and faith in Christ. So you have this washings or baptism. and you have laying on of hands. Symbolic in both Old Testament and New Testament of being set apart or called for special service and doement of power through the Holy Spirit for ministry. And then you have toward the end of days that resurrection and eternal judgment. Important future events that are exciting, that are great to look forward to. And if we're not careful, we can um, spend way more time than we should wondering about what will be instead of focusing on what we should be in these days ahead. And as Tommy Lee um, summarizes these sections, he says, we should hold on to the basics we learned from the beginning and move on to mature understanding of Christian distinctives. Now, I like that phrase, mature understanding, because I want to be careful that, you know, we're not talking about once you learn the basics, then you get on to the deeper, secret, hidden messages of the Bible. No, it just means that through practical application, through life experience, through success and failure, you become more acquainted with the God the Bible teaches about, the Savior that the Bible speaks about, and the fact that God's Word is true and applies to all of our lives. John 3.16 is always as meaningful as it's ever been. But we come to know, just like we read earlier in in 1 Peter, that those trials and sufferings in our life shape us and form us. And what we see as pain and hurt, God can use to be a blessing and for our growth. So so spiritual maturity um, is not just a check-the-boxes You know, memorize the facts. Put a little in the plate when it comes by. Come when you're able to. I'm okay, you're okay, religion. It's daily. It's a relationship. It's you and Jesus. It's you and your Bible. It's the vine connected to the branches. It's growing and knowing Jesus. Now, Eugene Peterson and his message translation catches a lot of flack. Um, I think it's largely unfair In many occasions. And if you look at Ephesians 4, verse 13, in his message translation, I think he beautifully illustrates what growth looks like inside a church. Listen to this moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Because here's the the bottom line. Any church under the name of Jesus has within its walls, in its membership, life-changing potential. It can be 5, it can be 50, it can be 75, it can be 750. It can be in a building with air conditioning like this, it can be a building under a tree in the middle of a desert. What does it take to unlock that life-changing potential? Individuals, men, women, children, getting serious about growing in their faith. Laying aside immature thoughts, moving on to maturity, allowing the power of God to bring us to new life in Christ and to carry us out to the world around us on mission for Him. To find where He's at work. To join alongside Him in being a part of what He wants to do to bring hope to the world we're living in. Where there's, there's, a, there's probably more people than you could count on your hands within a close proximity to you. People that you know. People that you know about that are hurting. They're filled. Their lives are in shambles. They're filled with brokenness. And what does God want to do with you in helping them? God's not going to send babies out, not spiritual babies. He's going to be looking for those that are willing and are ready and are trained and called and equipped. And so I really, my hope is that we put ourselves in the best position we have to grow in our faith, that we put our trust in God, because it's only Him that brings growth. Look at verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. It's a limiting statement. But it also speaks of the truth that it's God's work, not ours. We'll be carried on if God permits toward maturity. Now, He doesn't want us to think that God's against growth, or He may not allow it, but it's. acceptable Simple confession that if we're going to grow toward maturity, God's going to do it, not us. It's His work. He supplies the seed. He grows the seed. He measures the growth by the stature of Christ. And our responsibility, if you read through the Bible, is to simply plant and water. How do we do that in our life? We submit and yield to Him. We trust Him. We obey Him. You may have noticed this, but if you think about these verses, you can't help but remember that wilderness generation. We learned about it earlier when we were working through Hebrews, the ones that weren't able to go into the promised land. And what was it that kept them from moving on to what God's plan, his best was for them? you remember? Unbelief, disobedience that led to hardness of heart. My hope is that we will grow deeper in Christ if God permits and that we won't fall short, but whether join in the great adventure that He has for us, that we will grow in our belief, we'll walk in obedience, and we'll seek and see God do His transforming, miraculous work, not only in us, but in people around us. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ Go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from works and faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this will do if God permits. See, moving on toward maturity is the only acceptable pathway for a follower of Jesus. We all need to grow up. Nobody's arrived. God's not finished with you. We need to be growing to be more like Jesus. We need to be continually working toward being healthy disciples and ministers in Jesus' name. And so I want to bring just something to your attention. Um, you may have these. You may have forgotten these. You may not even know what in the world these are. But we printed bookmarks. I gave them out at our toward our, our church anniversary a couple years ago. Um, and they have on them five questions. Now, these aren't check mark, check boxes that you check off and say, okay, I'm good. They're, they're tools that help us evaluate how we're, how we're doing in our walk with the Lord. How are we moving on toward maturity? There's plenty at the back. I've got a bunch up here. I encourage you to get one. But these questions, am I rooted in God's Word daily? Spending time with Jesus, in the, with your Bible every day. You can read John 15 and find more about that. Am I sowing good seed weekly? Am I sharing and showing the love of Jesus in my daily life? Am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit consistently? If you're rooted and you're sowing and you're growing, there will be fruit. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that comes only from the Spirit. Am I shade and shelter for my neighbor as needed? Am I involved in the work of helping to meet other people's needs and showing love and mercy around? And then the last question, am I pruning selfish desires faithfully? Am I doing the hard work of saying, God, search me and know my heart. See if there is any wicked way in me. And when God brings something to mind and He will, you confess it and you repent and you move on. I said those are just diagnostic questions to help us see if we are growing in our faith because God is calling us on to maturity, on to good works. And I'm certain that what He has in front of us is meaningful, exciting. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to miss it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You do Your work and Your people for Your glory. And moving on toward maturity is what Your plan is. The Word says that that's measured by the fullness of Christ. And while we probably won't look exactly like Jesus in this life, we can sure make progress in looking more like Jesus each day. That comes through yielding and trusting, growing, and seeing you do your work in us. The Lord be, make this the cry of our hearts, and we pray with your help and by your will, we'll do so. Help us to be like the righteous man in Psalm 1 to be trees planted by streams of living water that yield fruit in season, with leaves that do not wither, and that what we do would prosper. Not that not in building our fame, our reputation, or our wealth, but in building Your kingdom for Your glory. And we pray these things in Your name. Amen. As usual, when we conclude our our service, there's opportunity for you to respond. Maybe it's a, a truth from the from the verses. It's something that God has, has brought clearly to your attention by His Spirit, and you just you, know, you need to respond. That's the place of of prayer, you, you can confess before God, ask for His refreshing and His healing, and trust that He'll get it. Because there's a burden on your heart as you're praying for something, praying to something, and you need to lay that before the Lord, where you're at or at the altar. Maybe God sends something exciting in your life, and it's just, you know, this is what God has for me, and it's it's time to just let people know about that calling and purpose and. sharing about what God is doing and will do in your life. Maybe it's just, you know, God, I've, I've been here for a while. I feel like I need to put my roots down and, you know, I'm not perfect. I know these people aren't perfect, but I believe God's planting me here for this season. God's calling you to serve Him. I so say, for whatever it means, for however long you say, God, I want to serve you and follow you. And those things can happen today plus others. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. And you just grab the person next to you and say, hey, will you pray with me? I'm sure they'll let you. And they'll pray alone. I'll be at the front. you need me, but I just invite you to listen to the Lord as we listen to some music played quietly. And respond as he leads us. to sit down, but you're already sitting down, so why don't you just stay comfortably. Seated. I'm going to ask Zoe and her uh, her mom and dad to come back up. Um, Zoe has something very exciting um, and, um, to, uh, to share with you all, and I just... Uh, Marcy, you can come too. Come on, Marcy, but you don't get the microphone. So... Um, So Zoe Zoe shared with me in brief, and I'm hoping she's going to you know, give you all a little bit more detail, <laughs> and so I'm supposed to ask you questions, so so Zoe, so Zoe you want to just share, first of all, just kind of tell everybody what brought you down here this morning?
4: So I'm up here to tell you all that I have decided to say yes to the Lord's call to ministry in my life,
3: so...
2: So, Zoe, is this something that has been God's been working for a long time, or what would you say about that?
4: Um, it's been a bit. I think probably since um,
0: since Dad started becoming the youth minister is really when I thought about what ministry really means uh, to in the Christian life and in my own life. So, yeah.
2: so do you know it at this point? Kind of no. a specific area, or you're just <laughs> not saying, yet.
0: Yeah,
2: "Wow." Well, the good thing is, once we say yes, God will bring um, clarity in that, and God will, God will use His word and use people around you to shape that. And, and, and I know um, for a fact that you know your Sunday school teacher is praying not just for Zoe, but for the whole Sunday school class to be called into to ministry. And the bottom, the bottom level for, rung for that is at least Sunday school teacher. And so. Um, You know, I'm I'm thankful. I had your mom and dad come up here because, um, you know, the influence um, that they have, um, just their their willingness um, to serve um, with with humility and without um, grumbling or complaining, and um, you can see those qualities um, in in Zoe. And as the Lord develops those, you know, it's like take the the, the good part, you know, the good amount of Jeff and the good amount of Christy, you know, and kind of dump them together, and, and, you you know, you got Zoe, you know, and, and you get Marcy, you know, so it's like, and that's the way God does with all of our families, you know, it's just, it's a little, you know, sprinkle here, sprinkle there, and then, you know, you have this um, new person that God has called, in, and so we are excited, I'm excited, I know Deborah is excited, um, but I want to give you opportunity as a church family to express your excitement, because here, I mean, this is just the entry Point into that, saying, "You know, God, here's my yes, and God, I'm looking forward to see what you know you're going to do in in the days ahead." And so, um, on behalf of these folks, we are very excited, and um, it's, we um, our responsibility is to is to pray for you um, and to support you, and as the Lord leads, I give you the opportunity to serve as you best. Discern his will and know how so that you're ready for whatever he's got in the future. Oh, my gosh. Well, Jones is This is an exciting day. I mean, this is like, I mean, you take baptism, that's cool, but you take this, and it's like, you know, this is even, this is, it can't be cooler, but it's like, it just, it just, it's like a cherry on top of the the Sunday of, of life. And so, um, before they sit down, and Zoe's probably ready to sit down um, at this point, um, let me just, let me pray for y'all. Um, pray for you and then um, after that the worship team is going to come up and we're going to sing why don't you um, hang on just a second let me think about how this is going to fit okay let me pray real quick and then before y'all come up and sing we have one other thing to do. Lord I do give you thanks for the fact that you do still call and Lord I thank you that you've spoken as always heart you've set her aside and Lord I thank you that, um, that she's yours that she's filled with your spirit, that she's listened to your call. And so, Lord, I thank you that you um, equip and you empower those for service. And, Lord, help us as a church family to not be a hindrance to that, but to be a help And in the ways that she's called. Help us to be a resource, to be prayer support, to be supporters and, and encouragers in that so that we can see um, her grow in this and be able to serve in the way that you called her to. And, Lord, I pray that you would call out more. Lord, help us to just be willing to say yes to you and trust you with the rest. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, now, Donna's going to come to share a prayer request about students, and then the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing.
4: I came before y'all in 2019 whenever Coray was going off to college, and I remember asking you guys, um, because it takes I have a lot of pride and stuff and I don't want to always ask for prayer because of my pride um, but I remember like God saying humble yourself and ask your church family to pray for your daughter when she goes off to school because you know you're worried about it and you can't do that alone um, so um, and as you guys may have seen on like social media or something I posted uh, Matthew is also going off to college now and I uh, was reminded again this morning I need to humble myself <laughs> and ask for prayer um, um you know that Bible verse that says if you're anxious about things or you're worried about things that you should pray about it. So I just want to pray alone. I want you guys to pray too for Matthew going away to school, and also as you may know, Mitchell's um, going to be leaving us too. So we're losing both of our sons this month to go. They're going to go away to college, and then Mitchell's going to go up and uh, start his job and uh, set up his apartment situation for his future marriage with Anna. So if y'all, if you would um, pray for Matthew and Mitchell and Anna as they go and are there um, alone in new places with unfamiliar people. Um, I was reminded too that when I first, like Zoe, whenever I was uh, first called into ministry was in college, and I went away to college. I was from Louisiana, and I went away to college in Texas, and I didn't know anybody there. And that's how Matthew's going to feel because he doesn't know anybody at that college, and that's how Mitchell and Anna might feel where they're moving, because they don't know people there except for her grandma. <laughs> so um, I heard a sermon the other day uh, from a Japanese pastor, and he said, one of the biggest times in your life that you feel tried and tested when you're alone. So if you could please remember them in your prayers um, so they won't feel so alone. I know when Kore went away to school in Michigan where she knew nobody, um, she got a letter in the mail from Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. And from Deborah, I think she got a phone call or, or a letter, I can't remember. But... Um, Thank you all for remembering the college students when they're away because lots of times the statistics say that when they go away to college, they forget about God. But sometimes we forget about college students in our churches. So let's not forget about them, please, not just because they're my kids, but other kids who are going to go to college too. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Donna. That's a good reminder. There's going to be – school's going to be starting back and kids are going to be moving away. And just a good practical reminder that just those little notes and things that you take, those extra steps, go a long way to let them know that they're not forgotten, that they're loved and they're prayed for. Um, Worship team is making their way up here. And um, I want to thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I invite you back tonight, 6 o'clock. Ice cream, snacks, and the talent will be on full display. Um, No talent scouts or judges will be here, so... uh, that may disappoint some of you, or maybe a comfort to others. But, um, but it'll be a, a good time to fellowship. And, and you see Zoe around. I'm not going to make her come back up here and stand. But um, I know you'll want to just express um, just the excitement that you have and just your willingness to support her and pray for her as the Lord leads. So let's everybody stand up together. We're going to sing, and then after we sing, you're dismissed. This is your.